sing it again, can we? Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord, with all your heart. Come and quench, Lord Jesus, this I'm so glad we have that satisfying portion today. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful day it is to be gathered together in the house of God. You know, if it wasn't for the grace of the Lord, that sign out there could say uh, Mennonite. It could say Amish. It could say, instead of saying Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ, it could say Church of Christ, which basically is Church of Antichrist. Uh, it could say a Catholic Mass uh, being ministered by Archdiocese Donald Lee Reagan, Jr. But think of it. The grace of God, the grace of God has saved us, filled us with the Holy Ghost, made us His children. No matter what you're dealing with today and what you're facing, if you're standing here redeemed by the grace of God, you ought to be one of the happiest people that live on the face of the earth today. Let's turn today, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. We so appreciate you joining together with us. I sign in prayer for Erica. Uh, Carol and I stopped yesterday before church, and she was just so weak and so tired and just felt so, so poorly. But you all prayed and also contacted several ministers on the minister's chat that I'm on. We stopped by after church. It was like a different person. Thank you. Amen. She was up, sitting up, sitting at the kitchen table. Praise the Lord. Our God's a mighty God. Amen. Amen. Listen carefully as we read these beautiful passages of Scripture today. In them contain the great mystery of the Almighty. It's the threefold mystery of God, actually, of what He wanted to accomplish. And we're so grateful that we're part of this great plan today. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Notice into the heavens, more than one. Into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So he did not return in just theophanic form. He did not return in pre-incarnate form. But Paul wanted to emphasize to us that he has returned in the glorified humanity of his body. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now, I mentioned to you last Sunday that Paul chooses to use a double metaphor here, and he says, we have not, which is a double or a single regular. And then he comes and says, which cannot, which is a double metaphor. So he really wanted to emphasize it by saying two negative things in order to bring out the positive. 
For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And because of that, this is what you and I can do. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. Now remember, this is not talking to people that are lost, but it's talking to the saints of God that are saved. Mercy don't stop just after you get saved. As a matter of fact, I've had more mercy after I got saved than before I ever got saved. That's right. Mercy is what helps us in the time of need, in the time of difficulty, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How many has need today? Request on your heart as we take it before the Lord Jesus. Father God, we love you today so much. Our hearts rejoice in your presence that we've sensed here so far. We recognize, Lord, the presence of people could not make us feel the way that we have just felt. We know that this building does not hold this presence. I come over here sometimes during the week, early in the morning or later in the afternoon. and I walk around in here and I sit back there in my office. That presence is not here. Oh, sure, it's a sacred place. It's a place that we've set aside. But we know, Father, actually what brings that presence here is when you meet with your children. And we want you to know that we are grateful because a church building is no more than any other house or barn or chicken lot or whatever more if the presence of God does not sanctify and hallow that place. And we know human beings are the same way. What makes us different? Our flesh is the same kind. Our DNA would be the same as our siblings and our parents and our grandparents. But what is it that makes us different? It's because you reside in our house. We're so thankful for that. Would you take the bread of life and break it to it today as only you can do? Speak to us, Lord Jesus, of your great immutable, unchangeable counsel. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I count it such an honor to be able to speak to you today about the words of life. Not only about what has happened in this life under the plan of redemption of our Lord, but the continuing plan of redemption that is continuously unfolding. I believe we're in great events that are happening right now. The world is shaking. There's terrible things going on for the world. I would really be torn up right now if my hope was in politics. I would be tore up if my hope was in the monetary system. or Just to be honest with you, I'd be pretty tore up if my hope was in the United States of America. Because our nation is in a state of chaos and turmoil. We've, we, in our lifetime, most of us have never been where we are right now. But I'm so glad that our hope is in none of the above. But our hope is in the great above and beyond. But in that, we know as long as we're here, we cannot keep from being affected by what goes on around us, whether or not we like it. We are American citizens, United States citizens, so uh, the things that happen in our state, certainly our union, certainly affects us in the way that we feel. But yet, we also know that we are citizens of another kingdom, and we are here to represent that kingdom in this hour of darkness. We know that God looks at things and, and thinks of things in such a different way than we do. 
as we looked at it last night about uh, price and term and value, and maybe the Lord willing, we'll look at it a little bit more but in depth. But whenever God had spoken unto the children of Israel, and He told them that the firstborn of everything that broke the matrix was actually His and belonged to Him. So it would have been the firstborn of, of a sheep, the firstborn of whatever family it was, and of the human family as well. And God actually claimed the firstborn as his. But once God substituted all the firstborn, so just take it like this, all the firstborn of Reuben, of uh, Issachar, of Naphtali, of Levi, of all the tribes, every one of the firstborn, God was going to claim them to be his own. They would have actually been the order of priests that would have served in the tabernacle of the Lord. But then God decided that it would be of his plan to unfold his kingdom and his choice a little greater to choose the tribe of Levi. And then God said, now because the firstborn of Reuben, the firstborn of Gad, of Naphtali, of Issachar, of Manasseh, of Ephraim, all of those firstborn now because I've taken Levi for them. So God said, what I want you to do is I want you to tally up all the tribe of Levi and I want you to count them. Then I want you to count the firstborn of Manasseh, the firstborn of Ephraim. I want you to count the firstborn of Issachar, the firstborn of Reuben. So count all the firstborn. Now they're tallied out to be more firstborn than what they had Levites to be able to add so it'd be man for man. So what God did was then God substituted a way by which they would be able to keep the firstborn as their own because God was going to claim them as his own. So God said, now what I want you to do from this point on is I'm going to take Levi in substitution for all the firstborn of Israel. And I'm also going to make a way where you can be able to redeem the firstborn of your animals if you will. Now, if you don't desire to redeem them, in other words, buy them back from me, then I will demand their life. So whenever you had a firstborn and then the sheep brought forth, the old mother you, and she brought forth the firstborn, that automatically belonged to God. Whenever your cattle brought forth the firstborn, that automatically belonged to God. So if your she asses, your, your donkeys, your camels, whatever more, everything of the firstborn that broke the matrix automatically belonged to God. But God said, what I will do is I will make a way for you to be able to keep the firstborn among you. And they will be the tithing out of all the firstborn of everything that I'm going to do. And instead of taking that firstborn, I will allow the firstborn to remain among you, but you must redeem them. Now, God also called it redemption money. Now, the redemption money was actually silver. So silver, we know that God used the metallurgical terms of the Bible, brass and silver and gold and bronze and so on. And each one of them had a different representation and they answered of a different type. Gold, of course, represented deity and brass judgment, but silver represented redemption. So God entitled this and called this the redemption money. So whenever then there was a firstborn son that was born, then what you would do, you would go to the temple, you would show this firstborn son after eight days, you would circumcise him, and then you would be able to buy your son back from God. 
Now, say you had a bunch of sheep and a bunch of cattle and a bunch of oxen, and in a year's time, you might have 50 firstborn sheep, you might have 25 firstborn oxen, but according to the law of God, you were supposed to redeem them back and buy them so they would be the tithing in your house. Now, God was setting up a type, of course, under the law, they probably to this day still don't understand why, but as we look back at it through the cross, it makes a whole lot more sense. Now, the Lord Jesus actually had to become the exchange or the script or the money by which the people of God could actually be bought. They would be able to be redeemed. Now, of course, God had substituted Levi and God allowed silver to be substituted as a means. So if you brought up a bunch of two befores and so I'll tell you what, God, I really ain't got no silver in my house, but what I do, I'm a carpenter and I've got a sawmill. So I brought up 135 two befores and I've got 10 two by sixes and I've got 14 two by twelves and they're 14 feet long. So how can we figure that out to add up to board feet? God said, I don't take two by sixes. I don't take two befores. I don't take four befores. I don't take four by sixes. But I have a script or a substitute which will stand and I call it redemption money. Now you see what the churches have done down through the ages, even after the cross, they brought to God two befores, two by sixes, four befores, two by twelves, and all that, and they said, God, this is the best I can do. But God absolutely refuses every one of them. Because God in the New Testament also gave us another script or another money, if you will, by which we are able to be redeemed, and that money was a person. That money was not a two before, a two by six, a goat, a sheep, a turtle dove, a pigeon, bring all the blood of bulls and goats you want to today. God will absolutely refuse it all. Bring all your good works while I pray. I fast three times a week. I read my Bible. You might as well bring God a four before treated post because he will not receive that. There's one thing that God receives and that is the redemption money. Now we know in order for money to be valuable, that whether it would be is say in, in Israel. Now their money there is called shekels. That is the name of their money. And in there in Rome it would have been Roman denarii. And ours of course it is dollars. But yet we know that there must be something in each nation that makes that money good. And if it's not good it's no more than paper. So there's something then so whether it's bonds whether it's U.S. and our state it used to be gold but now it's bonds and we're in more debt now than we've ever been. But yet there's something about the U.S. government and you pick a $5 bill, a 1 or a 10 or a 20, and it says the Board of Reserve and all that, so it's, a, it's an official U.S. document. So wherever you go, bank, post office, any place that would receive that, the U.S. government stands behind that, that it is valid. So the validity of the purchase of the New Testament must also be validated by God. Now it cannot be validated by a board of people or a group together and they decide well, I'll tell you what, this is what I think. What do you think, brother? Well, I think this. No, that's not the way God validates the security money by which our souls are redeemed. But he validated that money by the signs or the answer to prophecy of the Old Testament. So written in the life of the Lord Jesus were not only ongoing present events to declare the presence of the I Am, but it was also the fulfilling of the Old 
Testament prophecies of it. This is why that he constantly quoted, is not it written in your word? Is not it written in your word? Did not the prophet say this and the prophet say that? I've come to do thy will, O God. So what's he doing? He's validating the prophecies of the Old Testament by his life. This is the true Christian of the day. Now God still has the money by which our soul can be fully redeemed. But man still, as always, man wants to make his own way to God. And man never ever wants to give God everything that he is. But man wants to sort through his great brain. Because man is a super God. And man is so intelligent. And man knows so much. And man is, well, he's just the next thing to God. According to his ignorant evaluation of himself. Now, God looks at you, and you're just a little bit higher than a grasshopper. You're just a little bit higher than a skunk, except some of you smell worse. You're just a little bit higher than a dog or a hog out in the pig lot. Well, that's the way we were in the eyes of God. As a matter of fact, an unsafe human being is lower morally than a hog is. Now, a hog may stink, and she may water, and this and that, but at least a hog can't commit adultery. And a hog can't drink, and a hog can't smoke. As a matter of fact, a hog can't even sin. So the next time you see a big old fat Yorkshire hog and you look at her down your nose, realize that as far as morality is concerned, she lived a better life than you did before you got saved. That's right, a dog can't sin. Come on, saints, say amen. So we still need money by which God will be able to take all of our sin, all of our indebtedness to the righteousness of God and be able to accept that as a substitute and give us back. Now, what do we do with money? We purchase things. We buy things, so money is an exchange or a script. So we walk in, we see something that we want. This is a dollar twenty-nine or whatever it is for a buy. Then I walk in, I pick it up, if, it's, if I want a case of it, I buy a whole case. If not, if I want a cold one, I reach inside the thing, slide the door open, get it out, and then I must give exchange. If not, the guys in the blue suits will come and give me a free night of a bed and breakfast. Then why? Because I did not pay the proper exchange amount. Now, just because it's in the store and I need it don't mean that I can have it. But a price must be paid, Right? Or I am considered a thief. Is that exactly the way it's declared? So it's the same way with salvation. You see, when we come up any other way than the way of script or the way of exchange, God said if any man comes up any other way other than the door, he is a thief and a robber. So every denominational Christian that comes any other way than through the atonement of the blood of the Lord Jesus will be judged as a thief and a robber at the day of judgment. That's right. So our works are, well, they're basically worthless. But notice what God wanted to do. God wanted to rid us of the sin question. But there's, there's a problem here. There's a currency exchange problem. Now, as I mentioned to you last night, traveling around the world, going into different places, a lot of folks, of course, they want the U.S. dollar. And you can go, uh, and I've done it at times when you're not sure about the currency exchange or the currency rate, that if I would land, say, in Tel Aviv, and I would be able to go up to the exchange place there, and I would look 
look and see, well, there's the French francs, and then there's the U.S. dollars, and there's the Israeli shekels, and whatever more, and it tells you the exact current rate of what they will pay you for, say, one U.S. dollar. So if you give them 20 U.S. dollars, and they would base that rate, which can change hourly or daily, and they would give you so much uh, Israeli shekels based upon that. But if you go out on the street, now there's people out on the street that will be able to more than likely give you more money for your money because they're not going to go through the exchange rate and pay all this and that. So, you know, maybe we'll say it this way that you would get 20 shekels there at the official place for one U.S. dollar. But if you go out on the street, they will give you 21 or 22. Is it legitimate? Nah, it depends on who you ask, I guess. Well, but the thing is, in order for you to be able to purchase some things, some places will not receive U.S. dollars. You may have every pocket in your pants. You may have every pocket in your vest and in your shirt. It may be totally full of U.S. dollars. But if they do not receive your currency, then it will do you no good. You can be absolutely filthy rich in U.S. dollars, but if they do not accept them, you cannot purchase anything. You might be rich in giving your money to the poor. You might be rich in saying a kind word and buying the widow some coal. But you know what? That's not what God accepts for salvation. Well, I'm a pretty good old boy. I'm a pretty good fellow. I'm trying to be a better person. In other words, you're lost. God does not accept that at the exchange rate by which eternal life can be given inside your body. God does not accept that as a value. So, okay, you're a pretty good old boy. Yeah, I'm a pretty good old boy. I don't say too many cuss words in a week, and I don't drink very often just when I get all stressed out. And God said, well, how many beers do you drink? Well, I drink under 100 a year. Well, that's, that's tolerable. That's not so bad. Okay, well, you know what? God said, no, none of that. I refuse absolutely every bit of that. There's only one thing that I will take, and that that is the redemption money. Well, what is the redemption money, God? Well, it was actually a human being. It was a person that was willing to condescend from the pre-incarnate state as the Logos, which was the visible image of the invisible God in the heavenlies. He appeared as a light, as a fire, as a bush, and so on and so on. Then he makes this choice to condescend from the great eternal and to become into the form of foreign exchange. Foreign exchange. So he comes to the currency status of the creator and he brings him down on the earth. So there's only one thing then that can be able to purchase our soul back into the hands of God. We must be bought and paid for. And it must be a goel, which is a kinsman redeemer. Now the kinsman redeemer must be worth the money. He must have an estate. He must have something by which he can be able to fully redeem you and pay the price. And of course, the Lord Jesus met all these requirements, did he not? So anything other than that is a slap in God's face. It's that we are telling God, God, you don't know how to save people. You don't know how to redeem people. You don't even know what you're doing. So I'm going to give you what I think is right. No, God will not accept it, friend. I don't care who you are. You can be Donald Trump. You can be Joe Biden. You can be the Catholic Pope. It don't matter if it's who you are. You come God's way or you're lost. It's just that simple. Because there's only one currency exchange that is heavenly approved and verified. Now, there's no other way by which a person can be accepted and actually not only forgiven. I don't want to be just forgiven. I want to be justified. 
I don't want to just be forgiven of my sins. Now, this is what we hear so much preached of, especially in this last day. Forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of sin. Well, we know that is wonderful, but I don't want to be just forgiven. I want to be changed from the something in me that made me desire to do the same thing that I was forgiven for three days ago. I want to be changed from what's in me, something that will give me power to be able to overcome the evil of this day. You understand? I don't want to just focus my entire life on I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. But I keep doing the same thing weekly or every day while I ask God to forgive me. That's what the blood is for. The blood is not for you to abuse. The blood is not for something that you take and use because of your neglect inside of your soul. But God not only wants to forgive us of our sins, but he wants to purchase us and actually cleanse us from within. So it's more than just we come to church, well, don't do this and don't do that and don't go here and don't and don't and don't and stop and stop and quit and quit and quit. That still ain't right. We've got to have something within us, a law written within our own heart that becomes a nature that joins us to a new husband. Now that cannot happen even by sitting in a message church alone. Well, I've been, I've been a member of Happy Valley for years and years. You'll be just as lost as a Baptist church member if that's all you are. You've got to accept the redemption money, which is nothing you could do. You're not worthy. You're never, never, never make yourself worthy. But the Lord Jesus offered you that money and said, now I will fully redeem you. I will forgive you. And if you will let me, which a lot of people will not, if you will let me, I will take your whole soul and I will so reshape your soul. I will burst that gene that you didn't even know was there in my image. It will empower you to live an overcoming life every day right in the middle of hell. Amen. Don't just talk to me about forgiveness. Talk to me about something that will keep me from sin. Now, as Ruth in the Old Testament found favor and the sight of her Boaz, so did the bride, actually before the foundation of the world, found favor in the eyes of our Boaz, which is, of course, in the Lord Jesus. And as Boaz wanted to fully redeem Ruth under the Leverett law, which was that Tob was actually the next of kin. Now, Tob, the prophet type Tob as the devil, which was the one that had the first claim on you. Because you were born naturally into the world with a fallen, sinful nature. So you needed more than just forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. You're forgiven. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. You're forgiven. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. You're forgiven. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. You're forgiven. He wanted to give you something within you that would change the desire to do those things which is totally impossible for a human being not to be that way. So as, as he was determined to loose Ruth from the Leverett law by which Tob under that law would have a right to claim her as his own. Now really, whether or not Ruth loved him, that really didn't matter. The Leverett law was established, of course, in the Old Testament to say a man married a wife and he died before he was able to have seed. Now remember, to them, seed, posterity, genealogy was a great big thing. If a man lived, uh, you know, for a few years with his wife and never had a child and never left someone to carry on his name... 
boy, it was such a reproach. It was a terrible thing on the day we're living in. But in that day, it was terrible. So God gave and established what is called the Leveret Law. So the Leveret Law was, say, a brother had a, had a wife and he lived for two or three years and he never had a son, never left on a namesake. So God said, well, if he has a brother, let his brother marry her and let that firstborn son be raised up in memory or in the stead of that dead brother. So that dead brother's memory will live on. Oh, glory to God. I don't want to get on this. But don't you understand why the church of the living God must be birthed by the same genealogy of the Lord Jesus? You see, people pass by churches, oh my, everywhere. How many did you pass coming here this morning? And people say that is a namesake to the Son of God. That is not a namesake unless it has his own power. You see, just because we might put his name on the sign does not mean the people that are inside that assembly are a namesake. The Holy Ghost come to raise up a body that would be the namesake of our resurrected Lord Jesus. This is why the true church that Jesus claims as his own is the church that has Mark 16 in action. And if she don't have an action, she's not his. I don't care how much she says she is. Why is that? Because the Holy Ghost come to raise up a living oracle on the earth. That is the namesake of Jesus Christ that is still alive. That proves he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, whenever this, of course, was established in the Old Testament, it was for their good. But no doubt there were many people that got caught under the Leveret Law, like Ruth would have done, because Tob, when Tob saw that Ruth, you know, what kind of woman she was, and, and a woman of character and so on, oh, yes, sir, he wanted her for his own. But yet Ruth did not love Tob. But by Leveret Law, he had the first claim on her. But yet here is Boaz, and it seems as as if though his hands are tied because Boaz cannot be able to claim Ruth over the top of the justice of the Leveret Law. So by the Leveret Law, the very next of kin has the right to redeem Naomi's property. And whenever she left the Moabite country and she said, your God will be my God, your people will be my people, where you go, I will go, where you die, I will die. Then she put herself under subjection of Naomi's property. She was, let me say it this way, she was Judeo-Christian. Judeo-Christian. This is why the Muslims hate both Jews and Christians. Because our Christian belief came out of the Judeo background. Amen. Is that right? So that's why we are called Judeo-Christian. So they hate us as well as the Jews. So when she identified herself under the household of Naomi, she come under that claim, under that title of redemption. So then Tob said, oh sure, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it. I understand you're in a lot of debt, Naomi. I'll pay your debts off. Your house is run down. I'll rebuild it up for you. But in exchange, I want that Gentile bride. I want that Gentile bride as my own. Now here is Boaz, and he is not the first one in line. But yet he has fallen in love with Ruth. And Ruth fell in love with him. 
But the law that had the claim over her to be her husband while moving into this land of redemption. I think she's not in Moab, but she's actually in the land of redemption. She's in the land of the blessed call of God. And it seems as if though she is doomed to a marriage of a man that is certainly not the character that would be befitting of such a woman as Ruth. And it seemed as if though there was no way out because she had committed herself to the keeping of the law. As a Moabitess said, they would have said that over there in the land she lived. Get out of here. I ain't marrying that old man. I ain't marrying that old guy. He ain't got no character. Get away from me. But she had subjected herself now under the law of God, which was the Leverett law. And it seemed as if though she was in a fix. Here is her love, which is Boaz, that she cannot have. And she is now bound to be married to a man that she does not love. What's the answer? So Naomi, the law, the Judeo background, tells Ruth, Tonight is the night of the winnowing, the harvest. So they had a festival, and they danced and eat and drank, and more, they just had a time. Then all the women would leave, and the men would lay down and guard the harvest. So Naomi says to Ruth, find the place where Boaz is. And mark that place. Now notice what it seems as if though she is asking her to do. There will not be another woman in the threshing floor that night. What a reproach it seems that she is doing. And you imagine little Ruth's heart thinking, is this right? Is this reputable? This be becoming. Hallelujah. So maybe Ruth hid. All the people were leaving and the men were laying down. Little Ruth watching him. Sneaking around and watching where he went. And she found the place where he was. Ruth goes up to him. and, Of course as they would lay there in the Mediterranean breeze would start blowing and the temperature would change sometimes 20 to 30 degrees, sometimes even more from the heat to the cool of the night. So they would take their wrap and they would wrap over themselves like a blanket. So Ruth marks the place where Boaz lays and she reaches up and grabs a hold of his garment and pulls it down over herself. Now, whenever she does this, of course, it cools down and Boaz gets cold and maybe a little bit of a shake. And Boaz wakes up out of his sleep and he realizes there is a woman laying at his feet. Well, it may be startled him and he's wondering what in the world they put out the lights, of course, so they can sleep and rest and the light is so faint He can barely see. Hallelujah. But he hears her voice. 
saying, stretch your blanket over me. Redeem me. Redeem me. Do you understand what the Lord Jesus heard before the foundation of the world? There wasn't even any angels there. But it was like your voice was ringing from eternity. Redeem me. Redeem me. It pulled on his being. It was the echo of your cry from deep within himself. Since you did not pre-exist. But it was that part of himself which would anchor in you thousands of years later. And he heard it out of his own being beckoning him in your stead to redeem you. Hallelujah. Little Ruth is given a promise. I will... I will go before the elders with the book in my hand. Hallelujah. I will go. Now remember, every decision like this was called before the elders of the city. So they must call the elders of the city and it would be a tribunal. And Boaz would take his claim. So little Ruth lays there right before the rising of the sun. Praise be to God. And as she gets up to leave, remember she run into Boaz. The Bible says she happed upon his field. I'm so glad one day I happed upon a tape. And I happed. Upon a church age book. <laughs> Let people call it garbage. Let them throw it away if they want to. If you got any to throw away, throw over my way. I'm still eating them. Praise the Lord. It may make them sick. It's too rich for them. I understand. It's right down my alley of fine cuisine. <laughs> I understand. So what does he do? He tells her to lay aside her veil. And she opens her veil and lays it down. And she started out in his field picking up grains because according to the law, they had to leave the corners of the field. And they could not send their laborers back there to pick up every grain, but they're, they're to leave grain here and grain there and grain there for the poor and for the widows. And whenever Boaz saw Ruth in the field, then the Bible says that he spoke to his young men and said, I want you to drop some handfuls on purpose for the Moabites. And when you sit down to eat, give her a little bit of ever-present water from the rock. She had already found favor in his eyes. Hallelujah. Oh, you imagine as she arrives home right at daylight, her heart is beating in the rhythm of redemption. Because she knows this man has the money. This man has the capacity. And he's willing to do it. Which means he's met all the requirements of the goel. Oh, what sad news must have struck her heart when she found out Tob 
would not give up his rights. Remember that old besetting sin that held on to you when you started making your way to God? And boy, you give up this and you give up that. And you thought, wow, is it all going to be this easy? <laughs> Most of the time it ain't. There at least to be one or sometimes two or sometimes even a few more than that. And then things hang on with everything they've got. You know why? It's a devil. It's an evil spirit. And that evil spirit knows if he can only beset you with one thing, you'll never be able to be fully redeemed as long as you've got that one evil occupant inside of your soul. Now, Ruth, of course, when she comes home and she tells Naomi of what has happened, and then Naomi, the Judeo background of telling her the laws of redemption, Naomi speaks to Ruth and tells her, sit still, my daughter, for the man will not rest until he has finished the thing this day. Let me just tell you this morning, Ruth, rest for your man will not finish, will not rest. He will not call the millennium. He will not call the rapture until every name has been pulled off that Lamb's book of life, until every prophetic word uttered to the Gentiles will be fulfilled. Sit still, my daughter, and rest in the promise of God. But Brother Donnie, all hell is breaking loose. Our nation's in a chaos. That's right. But you can rest on the promise of God. For your Boaz will not rest until he has completed the thing. Now, let's jump from there. Let's jump over into a 20th century modern rendition of the book of Ruth. In the Invisible Union. Here it brings into view the two books that's going to be mysterious to you when you read the book of the seven church ages. The two books, the book of life says, one says you can put your name on there and you never comes off. The other one says you take his name out of the book of life. Now notice this, the prophet, the understanding becoming more clear as he come right on down to the very end of his ministry and there was parts of the book of life that become more clear to him even in 1960 as Lee Vale was writing this book. Now remember, Lee Vale did not have the understanding of the book of life that the prophet did. So the prophet had to try to straighten him out on a few things. Right. God didn't send a pastor to straighten out a prophet, but God sent a prophet to straighten out a pastor. And a teacher, and an evangelist, and she. Praise the Lord. So then in this, there was a mystery, what he called the mysterious part of the book of life. He said, this brings it in perfectly in view right here. I'm going to stop a few minutes, maybe, or a few notes, and catch this before we close. Oh, I'm so glad he stopped before he closed. Our natural life here we have is just a perversion. It really should be the right life to begin with, but it's perverted. Now notice how it's perverted by the natural birth. The first life or your first union. Now watch how it runs a parallel between your first life and your first birth and your first nature and your first husband. Now remember this, it's the firstborn that Satan had the claim on. You see, had Jacob been born first, it would have eliminated all the years of trouble between him and Esau. 
But God did not allow Jacob to be born first. He allowed Esau to be born first, but Jacob grabbed a hold of his heel. Wouldn't it eliminated so much problems if Jacob would have been born first? It would have eliminated so many issues. Wouldn't it have been absolutely awesome if God would have let your gene be born first, fully expressed in the heavenlies, and then God would have given you your body Amen. After your soul was born by the breath of God, you would have had no troubles, no difficulties. But guess what God chose to do? God chose to let Esau be born first. Did you greet Esau this morning when you brushed his teeth? Did you greet Esau when you combed her hair, Miss Esau S.? Well, praise the Lord. Now, what's on the inside of you? Well, if you're a seed of God, Jacob is on the inside. And Jacob wants that birthright, and he grabs a hold of your heel nearly every day you live on this earth. And Jacob and Esau are constantly fussing and fighting and carrying on. Well, come on, don't sit there and look at me. Oh, now, children, don't sit there and try to convince me that you ain't got an Esau. I am y'all's pastor. Don't try to act like now you're holy, holy, holy. You're holy nothing. You're the one, my goodness, that wrestles and battles with all your weaknesses and your frailties. Notice this, the first life or your first union. Notice these terms now, first, first, first. Your first life or your first union, you were joined in at birth by nature, by a natural act. So your mother and father having the natural act enjoying you by nature. This is why the Lord Jesus could not be brought that way. He must be brought by immaculate conception. He was not the son of Joseph, but he was called the son of Joseph. Had he been the son of Joseph, he would have been no better than you and I. That's right. Notice then, a natural human being associated man and woman together, associated together in sexual affair, which brought your first life here. And that's associated with what? Sin and death. How can you miss seeing? Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's talking about me and you being born a natural human being. And then he says, how can you miss seeing the serpent see? What's my natural birth got to do with the serpent see? Well, I ain't going to explain it to you. I guess you'll have to figure it out. (laughs) Now what? (laughs) It was nature. Ah. Associated with death. Here we go with another first. Your first husband that had rule over you was your nature by natural birth. So you were married to your nature. That's why I told you to drink. You drunk. He told you to fold up your arm and shoot dope in it. You did it. Why? He's the head of the house. He told you to look at pornography. You did it. He told you to do whatever more. You did it. He tells people to jump off of a bridge. They do it. He tells them to get a gun and blow their brains out. They do it. Why? It is their natural nature that had the rule over there. And he does rule. This is why we got to be born again. Now remember, he is the toad that you were married to, but not out of love. 
You did not love him. Or let me say it this way. Your seed, Gene, never chose Tob. It chose Boaz. But by natural law, you were bound. Amen. You were bound by that natural nature. Oh, but Brother Donnie, my mother and daddy have the Holy Ghost, but their genes don't have them. And you were still born by sex desire. I don't care how much Holy Ghost I had. None of you were spoken word children. I don't say, expect you're going to convince me of that. Come on, saying, say amen. So what they said, natural, you love the world because you are the world and part of the world. So what then does church entity do? Church entity only brings people into church and tells them they need to be forgiven. Ask God to forgive you of your sins, which many of them do. But it does not give them something to kill that first husband. Why? Because many of them don't even know that the nature is a husband. They don't even realize the Lord Jesus wants to not only be their savior, but he wants to be the husband of the bride. But I mean, the churches don't even understand that thing about a bride in a church. So they, they live under the subservient attitude that, well, I'm not worthy of heaven. I'm not worthy to be saved. I'm not worthy. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I agree with you. You are. Unless you have actually been born again of the Spirit of God, you are a sinner. But you become converted. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You was a sinner, but you ain't no sinner now. You cannot be a sinner's son. You cannot be both at the same time. Now watch this, your desires was by nature to love the world. That's why it was easy to do it. It was just as easy to lie. Why? It was just as easy to smoke and drink and run around. Why? It was, it was your nature. It was your nature to live like a hog. Why? You were born a hog. You were born in the pig pen in the muck of sin. Why? It wasn't no problem for you to get out and waller. It was your nature to eat slop. But it ain't your nature now. <laughs> Notice, that's your natural thing. That's the reason you have to be not forgiven, born again. You have to separate, you have to die to that first husband. You can't live with it. You can't just say, well, I'll divorce him and I'll hang him up till the occasion. Now, I'm going to give Jesus a try and I'm going to see if I like him or not. And I'm going to see if he'll say me and be good to me and give me everything. And if he don't make no demands of me now, I might decide to go to heaven. I might decide to live for him. Who knows? Five years, ten years. I ain't decided yet. I'm just thinking about it. So I just don't want to divorce this, kill this old guy. So you get in there and you stay. You're divorced from me. I'm a Christian. Then they go to church and the preacher says, now that you give your heart to God, you need to start tithing. This is a, What? Yeah, and them cigarettes is killing you. Get rid of them. Them mini skirts, ungodly. You men with them long hairs and dressing up like a woman, straighten up and act like a man instead of a pervert. Oh, oh, I never heard such in my life. Well, I'm going right back to my old husband. Boy, I'm glad I didn't kill him. Come on, darling. 
I'm so sorry. Uh, how you been? Well, you, you, you hung me out here to die. What do you mean? Well, I, I got religious for a little while, but I'm so sorry. Uh, would you come back into my life? Would you come back into my life? I'll tell you what you can do. You don't have to go to that church, but if you want to get religious, I've got all kinds of them because I'm the head of religion. And what I'll do is I'll help you hook up with a bunch of people just like you who still want to drink and lie and run around, and they'll love Jesus and, oh, Jesus, 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 and you'll wind up splitting the gates of hell wide open with that kind of you can't divorce him friend he's gotta die oh my well I'll divorce him and hang him up to the occasion so what do folks do they got their ex in the closet so they serve Jesus Jesus well, my ex and my ex and, you know, my ex, sweet, my ex. Your ex? If you get born again, you ain't got no ex. No Y, no Z, no Q, no P, no R. He's dead. I said he's dead. How can folks come to this message and go back to that stench they come out of? Their ex is still alive. Notice, he says, that's the reason you have to be born again. You have to separate, you have to die to that first husband. You can't live with it. You can't say, well, I'll divorce him. I'll hang him up here till the occasion. No, sir. No writing of divorcement. He dies. So he dies. The preacher preaches the funeral. Wicked, sinful, lying husband of yours. Now, if you're really converted, born again, you won't be sitting in the funeral like this. <laughs> You'll be like this. Oh, happy day, happy day, oh, happy day. You're going to be dancing all over his grave. Hallelujah. He beat me. He lied to me. He talked to me like a dog. He treated me lower than if I was an animal. But oh, hallelujah. I got married. I found me a real man. I found me a real husband. The nature of the world has to die Every speck. Every speck. Y'all realize how little a speck can be, don't you? Every speck of him has to die. Now, of course, you can't remain single. But you have to be reunited again with another nature. So here's Prince Charming himself. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great El Shaddai. But he won't even court you as long as you're married. Hmm. 
He won't fool with another man's wife. He ain't like a lot of men are. <laughs> Even a lot of message men. Oh well, no, Jesus will never court you as long as you're married. Huh? He'll never send you flowers and never buy you candy. He'll never wink at you. But just as soon as that old husband is dead, you go to getting all kinds of messages from the Lord Jesus. I've had my eye on you since how far back? But it's actually farther back than what you remember. Before the world ever began, you were nothing. He goes to sending you messages and woo in your heart, and you're just, oh, oh. I thought I knew what love was like. I thought I knew what love was like when I was married to the devil. I met Mr. Love himself. <laughs> Do you understand? Your husband is love itself. For God is love. The devil never loved you. He didn't care for you. He don't care for his children. He don't care for his wife. He don't love you. He don't think nothing about you. He's only a selfish husband that's centered in what he thinks and what he wants. I love the way he brings this. Watch this in paragraph 214. Your name of your first nature. You was born and put in a book of life. So let's just take me. Donald Lee Reagan Jr. Born July the 9th, 1956. Around 8 or 9 o'clock, sometime early in the morning. That was the name of my first nature. Now that nature was given to me under the union of Betty Jane Reagan and Donald Lee Reagan. Then I inherited that nature. Just a wee little thing. Didn't know sin. Had to learn how to lie. Learn how to start doing wrong. But it didn't take me long. I learned how. As some of y'all did because we all had the same teacher. Right? Oh, praise the Lord. But God had his eye on me. Even when I was married to the devil. But he would never flirt. <laughs> he would never, never break that. Watch this. All your deeds. Now notice so your name, your first, the name of your first nature was born. And put in a book called the book of life. Now notice this is the difference between the Lamb's book and the book of life. So your nature had a name and all your deeds was put under that name nature. All your deeds are rolled in and everything you've done under that nature. Can't you see why the prophet said, you never done it in the first place. Why? Because that seed in you never got drunk a day in its life. Glory to God, that seed inside of you never told one lie. That part is totally innocent. What did this friend? What made away the redemption money? The redemption money had to buy you out of this spot in order to make you acceptable in the presence of God. And God didn't have no money, so he had to make some money in the deity mint. And God only needed one coin, and he turned the machine and printed that one coin and called that one coin Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
everything you've done under that nature was put in a book called the book of life. Notice again, paragraph 222. You separated from your first union by spiritual death. So you can't have a divorce and a death at the same time. You got to have one or the other. So you separated from your first union by spiritual death. Now you are born again. Or, glory to God, if your natural birth was a marriage, what is your spiritual birth? Another marriage. Your natural birth was a marriage. Married to what? You were muscles jerking and twitching and all that in your mother's womb. But when you took the breath of life, your natural birth united your body with that fallen nature and you took on that human name given to you by your parents. You got married as a wee baby. <laughs> I don't blame the devil. If I was him, I'd fight this message too. Now you're born again or remarried again to the new spiritual union, not of your natural life or of the things of the world, but of eternal life. So you reunited with another nature, not a perpetual life of genealogy of Reagans or Whitsons or, you know, Walkers or Youngses, but of one source, eternal life. That germ that was in you at the beginning found you. <laughs> Glory to God, I went up to the altar, hallelujah, I grabbed a hold of them horns of the altar, I beat on the altar, I done this, I, why don't you shut up? Why don't you just accept the fact that germ that was in you found you? You're praying, you're beating on the altar, you're this and that and the other, that wasn't it, brother. It was an awakening of that seed life. What was it? It was your part of the marriage certificate. It was the validation that you are the elect of God, that the money has been accepted in exchange for your soul. Don't you understand when you become born again, when you really become in a new nature and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, eternal life in your soul, it is God's proof you are fully accepted. You'll never be lost again. Never. You can no more perish then the Almighty can perish. <laughs> that germ that was in you at the beginning found you. Now your old book is gone. With your old union. Now your name, your name has been transferred. You say, do you mean to tell me my old book, God put it in the sea of his forgetfulness. You stand perfectly before God. Amen. 
How is that possible? Because he thought more of you than he thought of himself. So he became the exchange or the script. God said, I want them, but I ain't got no money. I want them. I, I claimed them. They were mine before the world began. So I'll make a piece of money. That's all he needed, one piece. I'll make a piece of money. I'll become the money, and then I'll pay the money to myself. I'll become the money in another form, and then I will change myself into high priest form and give myself the money. I will become the high priest and pay the money to my invisibility, not another God, not another being. The same God paying the full redemption price, the same God paying the price to himself for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, that you might be redeemed, not just forgiven. Can I have five more minutes? Oh, Lord Jesus, now your name, your name now is in the new book, not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life, what the Lamb redeemed, not the old book of your natural union, but your new bride. Hallelujah. Your new life is in the Lamb's book of life. Your marriage certificate. Now you've seen me marry many, many couples right here. But no matter how much I may be set by the law of the state to marry them, I am responsible. Carter County, Unicoi County, Washington County. Washington County, I can mail it. Carter County, they want me to hand carry it in. It states it on their document. They want it back within three days. So I perform the ceremony. I fill it out. I sign it. Carol witnesses it or someone else. That becomes my responsibility to get that back to the courthouse. I walk in. What can we help you with, sir? I want to return this marriage license. Now, many times if the bride and groom need an immediate copy, they take my word that I validated this marriage. They take my word that I did it on the 19th day of May, the year of 2020 in Carter County. And it was a religious ceremony. I give my name, my address, my position. And they take my word they register that in the computer. And I say, can I have a copy of that, please, for the bride and bridegroom? Absolutely. They print out the legal document, and they give it to me, and I bring it to them. Give it to one of the deacons or hand carry it to them, whatever, because they need proof. They're going to Canada. They're going somewhere, and they need proof to be able to come back into the country. Citizenship. Glory to God. I'm nobody. A hillbilly, but it's law. Let them try to stop her from coming back into the United States. She has that authenticated legal document. Let the devil try to stop you from your healing. Show him your token. 
Let him try to stop you. Hallelujah. From difference of a besetting sin or whatever more, show him your token. Satan out of my way. I claim my son. I claim my daughter. I claim my husband. I claim my wife. You ain't got no hold on them, devil. Why? Here's my marriage certificate. Well, my mom and daddy named me Donald and called me Donnie. And I let out my first scream. I married her. That was my marriage certificate. My nature. Glory to God. Let's stand. I know, I know, I know. Your name is now in the new book. Not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life. What the Lamb redeemed, not the old book of your natural union, but your new bride. Hallelujah. Your new life is in the Lamb's book of life. Your marriage certificate, hallelujah, where your eternal germ from the beginning takes hold. It couldn't take hold under the first husband. Where your eternal germ from the beginning takes hold, now you're not only forgiven, but you're justified. Glory, justified. Romans 5.1, yeah. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Let me close. We've got way, way more to get to, but let me just share this with you. I don't know if you remember this or not, but originally... The book of Ruth, when the Old Testament was written, the book of Ruth was contained in the part of the book of Judges. So the book of Ruth was not a separate book with her own name and all of that. But after the Lord Jesus was crucified, Around the year 450 A.D., the book of Ruth was taken out of the book of Judges and made a separate book under a new name. (laughs) Glory to God. 
Calls what? The book of Boaz? The book of Tob? The book of Naomi? The book of Ruth. Hallelujah. After our Lord Jesus died and paid the price, then we were taken out the jurisdiction of the judges. You've done this and you've done that and you've done something else. But I was removed from the accusers. They brought me and they throwed me at his feet and said he was caught in the very act of lying. He was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says he must die. What do you say, Lord Jesus? You that's without sin, cast the first stone. And he come to me and said, where are your accusers? I said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's exactly what I wanted to hear you say. And I say this, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. It's time we started acting like married people. Married people. I'm talking about just your husband or your wife here. I'm talking about married people. We start acting like we belong to someone. We are not our own. He purchased me. He owns me. And I'm glad he does. Praise God. Don't you love him with all your heart? Aren't you glad your life, Ruth, was taken from the condemnation of the judges and your name was put in another book the book of redemption transferred from the book of judges to the book of Ruth and Obed Boaz goes into his wife and she brings forth a son of course we know the genealogy God chose Ruth to bring forth the natural lineage of a shouting king called David. You'd have a hard time telling David God couldn't deal with Gentiles since his great-grandmother was Ruth. Glory to God. And out of that lineage and the natural genealogy come who? The great king himself. Praise be to God. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, what can we say? I know these people don't realize what just happened. I didn't even hardly get to my scriptures, my quotes, because you totally took my direction and changed it completely. Apparently, you wanted somebody today to hear about the story of Ruth. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You are not only my Savior, but my husband. I am not only forgiven, but justified. God, if there's any here today or under the sound of my voice, and they are forgiven,
but they've never entered into that new union. They're still trying. They're trying so hard. They're trying so hard to make themselves worthy and do better and do this and do that and do something else. Help them to realize there's only one coin that you will accept for their full redemption price. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. Novenas, Hail Marys. My grandmother did this. My father did that. I don't drink. I quit smoking. I quit this. None of that will buy one thing from you. There's only one coin that's acceptable. And that's the coin called Jesus. It was a great metaphor that day when they brought to you. The scripture says they tried to catch you in your words. The same thing these folks are trying to do today in setting the message. Same spirit that was on them priests and Sadducees is on these people today. They're trying to catch the prophet in his words, so it lets us know what spirit they're under. The spirit that crucified Jesus Christ. Because they sent people to try to catch you in your words and hear contradictions and whatever more. They weren't searching for truth. Lord God, they handed you, asked you the question, is it lawful for us to pay taxes or not? He said, give me a penny. So they gave you a coin. They said, whose image and superscription is on the coin? They said, Caesar's. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God, that belong to God. And it just so happened you had a coin in your hand. A coin that had the image of a king on it. But what's the phenomenal part about it was that was the coin of God holding the coin of Rome. And the coin of God told them to give honor to the image that was on the coin. They didn't like your answer in both ways. You were the image of God. You were the coin of redemption. You told them, render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. Render unto God the things that belongs to God. And what was that? That you receive him whom he hath sent. The currency of God that was accepted for atonement. That bore the image of the eternal. And they crucified you. Lord Jesus, I'm so glad one day. I accepted that redemption money in my heart. I'm still accepting the payments of that today. When I get sick, when I get weary. I pray you administer to each of your children today, Lord, would you? We love you, Father. We worship you. We just want to let you know we are so happily married. We remember them old days in our first marriage, and Lord, it was hell on earth. Our first husband beat us. He whipped us. He, he abused us. He done all kinds of things. But when he died, praise God, and you started courting us. You started sending down handfuls of purpose. You swept us off our feet, as it were. We was like your Cinderella. We was kept back in the ashes of mortality, in the ashes of humanity. Our old cousins worked us hard and made fun of us and this and that and the other. But praise God, our prince come looking for us. 
he had a shoe, which was the gospel of peace, in his hand. Oh, Miss Baptist stuck her big fat foot in there, and she said, it's too tight. Miss Methodist took hers in there and said, you got one wider? I like to go the broad way. Miss Church of God stuck her foot in there and went from church to church, house to house. But the lovely little bride stood her little foot, put her little foot inside that gospel message, and you said, ah, perfect fit. Praise God. Praise God. I'm so glad, Lord Jesus, after all these years, this word still fits. Praise God. Folks are getting tired of it and leaving and making all kinds of accusations and whatever more. We're still eating it and becoming more the word and closer to the image. Praise God. It's just the chattering of the chipmunks. That's all it is. They chatter on YouTube and they chatter on Facebook and they chatter on TikTok, TikTok. And we say, while they're TikToking, we're going to leave out of here because there's only a few more seconds left on the TikTok and we're getting out of here on a body change. But we don't pay no attention to that chattering of the chipmunks because we're too busy hearing the voice of the bridegroom as he whispers these love secrets to his bride. Praise God. We love you, Jesus. Don't you love him, saints? Let's all come. Let's worship him a little before we go, can we? My, praise God. Enjoy that this morning. Created me a clean heart. I'm, I'm so thankful that we didn't, we didn't find religion. We found an opportunity for a clean heart. Amen. Let's, let's sing that again this morning. Maybe your heart is clean right now, but we just want to thank Him for what He's done in our hearts. And, and it also as a prayer for those that need that. Let's just sing that this morning. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. for his presence this morning.
the group that sang this morning, come back up, please. Create. confession part. We will see miracles. You are able, and you said your peace. 
that song this morning let's just sing together this morning as we get ready to go you thought I was worth saving that's the only reason any of this is possible right you thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping so you cleaned me up inside you thought I was to die for So I could be free So I could be whole So I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I you thought I was worth saving. We'll just sing this as we're dismissed this morning. Take up your cross. Well, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross. Every day And don't be ashamed To say that you know Him Count the cost Take up your cross Follow Him Take up your cross